the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you make decisions. And you make decisions on what you're going to do and how you're going to live that next day. And many times the decisions in the life that you're going to live that next day, you made decisions the morning before, the day before, on what you're going to do. And how you're going to live the life that you have. You're going to decide whether or not you're going to wake up and actually go to the gym. You're going to decide whether you're going to wake up and go for that run. You're going to decide whether you're going to wake up and you're going to read, read the Bible. You're going to decide the morning, the day before what you're going to do that next morning. So many times you make that decision. And, and many times that, that's the hardest thing is to make the decision the night before. I'm going to do this. And it can be difficult. You know, I, I can... I can Go to bed with, with the thought of, you know, I'm gonna, I, I might go to the gym tomorrow. I might run tomorrow. If that word might is anywhere in the first part of my decision, it's probably not going to happen. You know, as we've been looking at the book of Acts, I've been talking of the whole series is, is titled, There is More. The idea of, of God having so much more for your life, more than you could ever imagine or think. And God wants to do more in and through you, more than, more than you can even, it says far above and beyond is what it says in Ephesians, than you can imagine or think. But, but to see what God has for you, you have to make decisions sometimes on what you're going to do and how you're going to receive that and how you're going to hear that. I think for many of us, we just want God to drop it in our lap and we just, wanna, we just want it to happen. Okay, God, I just want a new job. Okay, God, I just want this to work out. Okay, God, I just want my marriage to work out. Okay, God, I just want parenting to be easier. Okay, God, I just want to be a better man. Okay, God, I just want to be a better woman. Okay, God, I just want to find a spouse. Okay, God, I just, and we just want, we just hope it's just going to magically happen. Nothing has ever been like that in my life. Nothing. Everything in my life has been hard work and a lot of prayer. But I don't look back going, man, it was easy. I don't look back going, oh, but I look back going, God, you, you blessed. Because I don't deserve any of it. I don't deserve any of what you did, but God, you, you did these things. But it took effort on my part. And, and, and in life, it wasn't easy. And when I look at this, this book of Acts, we see God doing some amazing things. And it's not like the disciples woke up one day and like, you know what? Okay, Jesus, we believe you. You are a good guy. You know what? And you did a cool thing dying on the cross. Thank you for doing that. Okay, you know what? We're just going to walk with you and we're going to see what you have to do. We're just going to live this life now. No, they made a decision. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to pick up your cross and follow me. When he made that statement, they had no idea what he meant. They thought, okay, we'll follow you, Jesus. You know, it's, life's been pretty good. You know, when we're hungry, you make us fish sandwiches. When, when we're in the middle of a storm, you walk on water. So, you know, when the scary demons come at us, you're like, whoa, stop, demon, go, going pigs. You're like, Jesus, like, life has been hard, but we'll, we'll, we'll follow you. Pick up the cross and follow you. No, they made a decision. You know what? Okay. They didn't know what that meant, the cross, until the day he died. And when Jesus said, pick up your cross, all of a sudden things clicked. They go, okay, this is going to be hard. This is, this is going to be a decision. And when you choose to follow Jesus, life is better. But life isn't easy. But I can tell you this much. 
life is so much easier when Jesus is on your side than when you're living life without him. And I know there's many in here probably this morning where you're living your life without Jesus and your life is hard. And life stinks sometimes. Man, I can tell you life sometimes is, I, I look at some of my friends and family who don't have Jesus. And when they go hard, through hard times, whether it's losing a loved one or it is losing a job or having a, a marriage problem or any of those things. And when they, when they are going through those hard times, and I, so many times I say, I know it's hard. But when you have Jesus with you, it makes it so much easier. You see, Stephen, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 6 or 7, where we are today, Stephen made a decision. No matter how hard life gets, I'm living for Jesus. He made a decision the night before this crazy day of Acts 7. He made a decision. God loves me with everything he has. And God wants what's best for me. And God's crazy love is going to pursue me and it's going to chase after me and it's going to protect me and he's going to have me. He made that decision the night before in Acts chapter 6 when he woke up and they said, Stephen, we want you as one of our table servers. And Stephen said, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter how hard life gets. And when he woke up in Acts chapter 7, life got hard. But his decision to live that life happened in Acts 6. It happened in Acts 5. It happened days and months before going, I'm going to live this life. Because my life with Jesus is so much better than my life without him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for today. And God... Lord, I ask that you would move in this room right now, Lord. I pray that you would stir in our hearts, Lord, to live a life for you, that we would realize how much you love us, how much you care for us, that you have forgiven us, that you have set us free, Lord, that you have a life so much better for us, better than we could ever imagine or think. And Lord, some of us, we're holding back. We, we, we are allowing things to distract and discourage and, 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 and not allow us to live this more life you have. Lord, I pray that today we would see breakthrough. Lord, I pray that today we would see you do great things. Lord, I pray that today we would make a decision. You know, no matter how hard life gets, no matter what, my, what happens, Lord, that I want to live for you, Jesus. And Lord, for those of us who maybe we haven't taken that step of faith, may we realize today that life with you is so much better than life without. Lord, speak to us. Speak to your people at churches all over the valley, Lord, today. God, speak to, through Trey over at um, Passion, Lord. Speak through him this morning. Lord, speak through uh, Chris over at Freedom Valley. Lord, speak through Andrew at Cross Church. Speak to us here at City View in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, good morning. And you know what? I, I've changed sort of the intro, not the message, the meat, but what I, want, I wanted to open this message three times. Just as I've been thinking about Acts 7, Acts 7 as we get into this part of Acts, that God has been, there's been this tension, and I forgot to have a balloon that I was going to blow up the whole service and then pop it. I forgot to do that. But there's been this tension building in Acts 7. It, it, all throughout this book of Acts. God told his people in Acts chapter 1, I want you to go and I want you to share the gospel and everywhere you go. Well, they've sort of been staying in their comfortable spot. 
And some of us, we've been sitting in our comfortable spot. You, you've been just sort of doing what's easy. You've been doing what's comfortable, doing what's nice, doing what doesn't make you inconvenience. And that's what's been going on in Acts chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. That's what's been happening. In the first six chapters of Acts, the, the disciples, now they've gotten a little uncomfortable. They got thrown in jail. They got beat up. But God said, I want you to go and spread. I want you to go and share my gospel. I want you to go and share the good news everywhere you go. Don't just sit. Go. And like, okay, we'll go to like next door neighbor. Okay, we'll do. They, their, un- their willingness to be uncomfortable is only enough. How, have any of you ever done that? You get uncomfortable only enough to make it to where it's not that uncomfortable. You know, maybe it's serving. You're like, well, I'll serve here because it's not that bad. I'll stand at a door. Or, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll volunteer every once in a while because that's not that bad. I'll go to church once a month because, you know, I don't want to go too much. Or I'll give this much because this much doesn't hurt me that bad. You know, as I shared um, a couple weeks ago, like, my wife and I were getting ready for taxes, and I saw how much we gave. And, and I was like, oh, man, I want to I, I give even more next year. I saw that. And not that it's like this, well, maybe it's a little pride thing. I don't know. Not that I want to give more than anybody because I don't know how much anybody else gave. But I'm like, I want to set a new goal for me of the generosity. Because I'm able to look back at what City View did, the lives City View helped, the, the people who were able to get counseling, the, the people who were able to help, the, the kids' lives that we were able to impact at Park Meadows, the backpacks we were able to give, all these things. I'm looking back the kids we were able to send at camp, which just to let you know, our change-a-thon did terrible this year. Just going to let you know a little bit about that. And I, I, you know, I think part of it is I gave all my change last year. And it takes forever to collect change. Um, just, but that helped a, kid, a lot of kids go to camp last year. Just, I, I'm going to be real with you. Because I can be real, right? Let you guys know. Last year it raised a, like over $1,000. This year we didn't even fill one bucket. So, <clears throat> not that you have to give change. But if you want to give a little extra to help a kid go to camp, do it. Um, if, if you can. If you can't, I can't. But every little bit helps. Because those kids are young people. If you're a young person in here right now, junior high, high school, stand up. Junior high, high school students, stand up right now. Junior high, high school students, stand up right now. These kids, these young people, one day will be caring for you and me. They're going to be taking care of our future, our government, and major decisions one day. They're going to be your presidents, your pastors, your nurses, your doctors, your school teachers, the people who pick up your trash, the guy who fixes your house when you call them, the girl who designs your place when you want it. That's what they're going to be. If you want to see your future do something different, impact it now, you think summer camps are just like a place where kids go and play? We do that. Um, but it's not just that. It's an investment into the future. So these are just a few. Don't sit down, David. He's trying right now. So I want you to look around. When you see these young people, pray for them. One of them someday is going to be on the stage. They're going to change the future. These young people will change the future. Thanks, guys. So we have a guy named Stephen that at some point in his young life, somebody impacted him. 
at some point in Stephen's young life, somebody impacted him, somebody changed his life, and somebody set him on a course to follow Jesus. At some point, he made a decision, no matter how hard it gets, no matter what happens, I'm going to live for Jesus. I don't know what happened. I don't know what age. It seems like all these people that were chosen, and we don't know much about these young men of Acts chapter 6. We just know that there were men that made a decision to follow Jesus. That's all we know. When I look at it, when I look at the work they did and how long they did, it seems like they were younger men. But God used them to impact his kingdom in a great way. And so we see Stephen at the end of Acts chapter 6. Stephen, he is, he, he is one of the chosen, but he's the one that rises to the top. He's the one that makes the decision to rub everybody the wrong way when it comes to the religious people. He's probably the, the one that all the religious people are like, you're just a young punk. Will you just shut up? You don't know what you're talking about. But anytime they brought something up about him, anytime they tried to argue with him in Acts chapter 6, if you look at the, the last part of Acts chapter 6, every time they brought something up, it says they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with him who was speaking through him. There's nothing special about him. When they looked at him, like, why are you so wise? What is happening? The Spirit of God was flowing through this young man. He allowed God to work in him. He allowed God to flow, flow through him. I was at a, a conference this week um, for, for pastors and church planters, people who, are, who started churches. There's like 600 of us, all the West Coast, from New Mexico all the way to like Hawaii. I don't know if they had anybody from Hawaii. I'm like, why don't we ever do this conference in Hawaii? Why are we in Phoenix? For reals, if Hawaii is included in the West Coast part, Jensen West, I want to go there. I don't want to be home. But either way, it's fine. I filed my complaint, so hopefully they listen. Um, but one of the things they talked about was starting churches. Planting churches, which I never heard about growing up as a kid. I didn't hear about planting, starting churches. Like, never thought about, okay, it's just, it was never talked about. But I'm listening to this going, man, I want to do that. So I started listing off people at City View. Who could God use to send out to start a church? I remember one day a guy named Daryl said, Jeremiah, God has a call on your life. And I made a choice to do hard things to make decisions that I was going to not do certain things. I was going to choose different schools. I was going to choose different ways of how, what I was going to do with my life. And there's some of you in here, God is calling you to do something bigger than you could ever imagine or think. Stephen made a decision. I'm going to live for God. End of Acts chapter 6, man, it, it, the pressure got hot. The pressure was uncomfortable. He is preaching Jesus. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're mad they are so mad at what he's doing, and they're so mad at what he's saying, and they're accusing him of all of these lies. But he did not let the difficulties keep him from following God. It says in Acts chapter 7, it says the high priest, verse 1, the high priest, and, and some of the verses are going to be behind me, some of them are not. So it's a super long chapter. You can read it all at home. The high priest said, are these things so? Because he had been accused of saying, Moses was not that great of a guy. The temple is going to be destroyed. You guys should only follow Jesus and not. He's like, okay, some of those things are true. Yes about Jesus, no about the law. Because they were accusing him of saying the law was wrong. All these things they were accusing him. He's like, okay, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Yes, Jesus is the only way. 
this, this made him mad. And then so he goes into this long talk. He preaches to this crowd. And as we look at this, what he's telling them and what he's revealing to them is God has been pursuing your heart from day one. That's what he says to this, this crowd. As I've read through this, I've read through it so many times, I'm like, God, what is in this chapter that you are wanting to show me? And God says, look at how much I have pursued my people. And my pursuit of people hasn't changed. So it says in verse 2, it says, and he said, hear me, brethren and fathers. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. You're like, Jeremiah, why just that verse? Why verse 2? It says the God of glory, he's he's helping them realize, "I, I believe in the same God you do. I love the same God you do. But here's the difference. God chose a guy named Abraham. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, it, it says, I think the verse is going to be right up here behind me. I don't remember what all I gave. Joshua chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, from ancient times your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. What does that tell you Abraham was doing? If his dad followed other gods, what is Abraham doing? What's he doing, church? Who's he following? Other gods. He doesn't know about God. He's being taught. When you, in your home, when you're teaching your kids, you're teaching them, okay, we are Cardinals fans. We are Suns fans. We do this. We eat at this place. We, you know, you teach your kids those things, right? Your kids follow, especially in those days. So you know Abraham was taught by his dad, hey, we worship the gods here in our land. So that's what Abraham was taught. But yeah, who did God pick to be the father of the nation? A man who was in the middle of a mess. A man who was in the middle of a situation he shouldn't have been in. A man who was in the middle of a life he shouldn't have been living. And so as, as, as Stephen is as sharing to this crowd, he's helping them realize, do you realize who our father was? And he, he continues, and then he gets to, as we come to Acts chapter 9, He then says, and Abraham had a son named Isaac, and then Isaac had a son named Jacob, and then Jacob has 12 sons. And it says in verse 9, and the patriarchs, the 12 sons, became jealous of Joseph and sold him into slavery, yet God was with him. How jealous can you be of your brother that you sell him? I don't know how many of you have siblings in here. But how jealous do you have to be of him to sell your sibling? I mean, there have been times where I, I wanted to just beat him up. There have been times where I just wanted to n- just go away and not see them for a long time. But there's never been a time where I'm like, you know, I'm going to sell my brother, Matt. Just how, how much can I get for my sister, Ange? Never! But you see, jealousy had gotten into these, these men's heart, these men, these, these men that God is going to use to be the father of his nations, to be the fathers of his people, these men that God is going to use. It says, yet God was still with Joseph. Because God was not going to give up on Joseph. God was not going to give up on his people. He made a promise through you. 
I will bless my people. Through you, I'm going to bless my people. And then so we see this continual blessing. Joseph, he goes into this land and he gets thrown in prison. And then as he's in prison in the book of Genesis, read that story. It's amazing. In Genesis 37, um, early on in Genesis there, Joseph gets... he. He gets sold this guy named Potiphar, and Potiphar is this super wealthy man in, in the land of Egypt. And Potiphar had this wife who had the hots for Joseph. And Joseph, but he made a decision early on, I am not going to cheat my God. I'm not going to do anything against my God. I'm going to live a pure life before my God. Joseph made a decision the day before. Every day before, I'm going to live a life before the Lord. Every day made the decision. And one day Potiphar's wife was like, you're really hot, and I really want you. And she threw herself at him, and he ran. He did the right thing, but just because you do the right thing doesn't mean the right thing will be done to you. He gets thrown in prison. Because she goes, the slave which you brought me, he tried to rape me. And all of a sudden, Potiphar doesn't know what to do, but he throws Joseph in jail. Joseph sits there for two years. Two years. And he did nothing wrong. But it says God didn't forget him. Some of you might be sitting in a spot right now where you feel like you've been sitting in prison for two years. God, when are you going to move? What are you going to do? When are you going to do something, God? I need, I need something new. I need a breakthrough. Some of you, there might be somebody here right now. Today might be year two of the longest struggle you've been sitting in your entire life. God, when am I going to get this breakthrough? Joseph sat and he waited. And all of a sudden, one day, this famine came through the land. These hard times were coming. And Joseph gets taken out of prison because somebody had heard that he interprets dreams. Joseph interprets these dreams, and because he does, Egypt is blessed for seven years. For seven years, he's blessed, and all of a sudden, the whole land comes underneath this famine. And it affects his brothers. It affects his dad and a whole other country next door. And so they go, hey, we hear that there's food in Egypt, but they have no clue Joseph is in charge. They have no clue what's happening. So they go to Egypt. Joseph now is a new hairstyle. He's probably bald now because that's sort of what they did in Egypt. Joseph sitting up front, has a really cool goatee. He's got some cool tattoos, and he's got a bald head and a weird shaved cat next to him. That's just what I picture in Egypt. Um, and a gold thing around his neck. Um, that's what I picture. So you picture whatever you want. That's what I picture when I picture Egypt back in those days. Um, picture like, you know, the mummy, movies like that. So um, Joseph's sitting there. He recognizes his brothers because they haven't changed. They've just gotten fatter. Um, so he, they come before him, and, and they're like, sir, we, we need help. Joseph made a decision that day. I'm going to show God's love, not judgment, to my brothers. Joseph gets to be an example of God's great love and grace to his brothers. And we see that God continues to bless his people. Then Joseph's brothers, they all move to Egypt and God blesses them. And God allows them to multiply. And as they're in Egypt, then over the next 400 years, they multiply. And one Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph, who didn't know who he was and didn't know what he did, one Pharaoh said, okay, if, if these Israelites realize how powerful they are, they're going to take over. So we need to make them slaves. And so that's what happens. Then over the next many years, the, the people of Israel are enslaved to the people of Egypt. And then God raises up another man named Moses. And he appoints Moses to be a leader of his people. And then Moses, he knows that he's God's chosen man. He knows that he has this calling on his life. But Moses tries to take things in his own hands. How many of you have ever known what you're supposed to do and you take things in your own hands and you really mess them up? Anybody ever do that? Yeah, I, yeah I've done that. I'm like, okay, I know I need to do this. I'm going to go, and I'm, yeah, and I'm like, ugh. 
I messed that one up. So Moses does that. He kills a guy. You shouldn't kill people. That's bad. Moses does. Kills a guy. And the people of Israel, they go, what in the world is wrong with you? He goes, well, I'm supposed to be the savior of your people. And they go, how are you going to do it? By killing us all? So he runs away. He spends 40 years in the desert alone. Sometimes our life is like that. Sometimes there are consequences for what happens, and we just spend some time where it's like God is teaching us. And it's, it's not necessarily a punishment, but it's this time to learn and to teach and to understand what's happening and what's going on in our lives. And sometimes those dark desert times in our life is a time for us to be refreshed and learn what is next for our life. And so that desert time wasn't a necessarily a punishment. It was a preparation for Moses to be able to do the next big thing. It was the next big thing. Moses couldn't learn it in Egypt. He had to learn it alone with a bunch of smelly sheep. So for 40 years, Moses became a shepherd. He learned how to lead dumb people. How many of you have ever had to lead a crowd of dumb people? Anybody ever have to do that? I've had to do that. When I, tell, I, I helped lead a, a tour of people in Israel. And let me tell you, leading students at summer camp is, leading, is way easier than leading 50 adults in another country. Let me just tell you right now. And so I can understand Moses' pain. Moses is, he's having to learn how to lead a million people in the desert. And God did that by teaching him how to lead sheep. But you see, God is continuing to pursue his people. He's continuing to chase after his people. And his people are in Egypt. And they are having the hardest time. But you see, Moses made the decision, I'm going to do the hard thing no matter what God's calling me to do. And Acts chapter 7, verse 34 says, I have certainly seen God says, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt and have heard the groans and I have come down to rescue them and now I will send you to Egypt. God says this, he says, I have heard, I have seen their pain. I have heard their cries. I have come to rescue and I will send you. And God says this today to you, he sees you. He sees you. I don't know what you're going through right now, but he sees you. He sees you. He has heard you. I don't know who needs to hear that today, but he's heard you. He's heard what you've been saying. He's heard what you've been crying. He's heard the pain. He's heard the hurt. He's heard those moments. He's heard those cries that nobody else has heard when you're laying on your bed at night and nobody else knows you're crying. He says he's heard you. And he has come for you. He's here. And he's sending a savior. And his name is Jesus. And he's come to set you free. And that's what God tells Moses. This is my message for the people. And then, and then as Stephen is saying this to this crowd, to these men, if you, can, if you can imagine this crowd now, it's this crowd of these super religious people. And everything, every story he's telling, he's tying to Jesus. Every story he's telling them about their past, about their ancestors, it's being tied to Jesus. And the tension, have you ever been in those rooms where the tension is getting high? It's just getting more and more uncomfortable. You have that one uncle who keeps talking about something he should have shut, out, shut up about a long time ago. And there's that tension in the room. You know that tension? That uncomfortable feeling that you have right now? That's this tension in this room of these people with the Pharisees and Stephen telling a story. And Stephen says this. This is the Moses, verse 37, who said to the sons of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. And, Moses, and, and as Stephen is telling this, he's tying this to Jesus. He says, and he doesn't say this, but that prophet 
that Moses spoke about and that prophet that Stephen is speaking about is Jesus. And at this moment, it's a dagger in the conversation. The men get so uncomfortable. They are angry now in verse 37. They know that he, they know where he's going, and they do not like it. And then Stephen continues to tell the story about this messed up life. Because in the people of Israel, they build this calf. They don't like Moses. They're like, we want to worship an idol. And so they build this calf, this golden calf. Call it money. Call it your finances. Call it your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Call it your job. I don't know what you want to call it. But they built a golden calf because they wanted something physical to worship. And so they worship this. And Moses comes down from the hill where God showed him some amazing things. And the people are getting ready to sacrifice living bodies to a golden calf. Talk about a jacked up time in the history of the people of Israel. But you see, God never once gave up on them, and that's the story Stephen is telling. God never once gave up on you, even though he had all the right and all the reason and ever for every reason possible to give up. He could have, but he didn't. He continued to use you and speak to you. And then he speaks of David, 746. David found favor in God's sight. And that's that he might find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it says that David was a man after God's own heart. But David was far from perfect. David murdered a man, slept with another man's wife. David let one of his sons rape one of his other daughters. Then he let his other son kill his other son. Yet somewhere in there, David was still a man after God's own heart. You may think, how can God change a heart like that? We see David learned he needed to repent. And so God continued to use David, continued to speak into David's life. And then Stephen gets to the statement about the temple. And he quotes to them from their own Bible, from their own Torah, from their own passages. Out of Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1, it says, This is what the Lord says, heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a restore, a resting place? My hands have made both heaven and earth. They are everything in them, are, are mine, and I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humbled and contrite hearts, who tremble at my name. And, you know, they're thinking that this building they built is the only place God can be. But what they don't realize is God's like, I built the ground. I built earth. I built heaven. What kind of place can you possibly make me better than what I've made? You can't. And right at this moment, it cuts quick to the people. It cuts them quick. It says, and when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and began gnashing their teeth at him. They began to just that gnarling, that, what are you, you know, like making those, those noises without words. They're so full of anger, so full of hate, so full of bitterness, so full of self-righteousness. They're so mad at Stephen in this moment. But he doesn't let this distract him. Distraction keep him, keep him from loving them. You see, even in this moment, as they're so full of hate, God is still so full of love for them. It says in verse 59, they went on stoning Stephen. Picking up rocks and stoning and killing Stephen. Have you ever been hit with a rock? It hurts. They didn't pick up little rocks. These are big, 
baseball, softball-sized rocks, and they're hurling at him. This is then falling on his knees. He cried out with a loud voice, God, this isn't fair. God, I said I'd follow you, but you didn't tell me it was going to be this hard. God, I said I'd follow you. I didn't know it was going to be this. God, why am I having to die right now? This is not fair, God. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing this. Well, that's not what Stephen says. He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. Jesus said those same words. Jesus, as he was dying on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This is the love of God for you. A love that is so crazy. It's so, we just can't even begin to understand it. A love that says, I'm going to use you and I want to use you. Will you just let me use you? Will you let me do something in and through you? No matter how, time, how many times we fight, no matter how many times we, we, we make mistakes, God still wants to use us. And you could be like, well, I'm, I'm 75. Is it too late to be used? It's not too late to be used. But I'll tell you this much. The longer you wait, the more time you waste. Some of you in here, you're young. Whether you're junior high, high school, college age, mid-20s, 30s, you're young. You have so much life left. Don't waste any more time. Stephen didn't, he didn't waste a single second of his life. He continued to live this life that was radically changed by God. Why? Because he loved people. He wanted to see their lives change for the Lord, and so he made a decision. No matter how hard life gets, I want everybody around me to live a more filled life. I want everybody around me to know that Jesus loves them no matter what, no matter how hard life gets. I want to make sure everybody knows that God loves them, that it's free to them, that God desires to give them more than anything ever they could imagine. It doesn't make sense, God's love. It can't be earned. It can't be lost. But it can be found. It's already been given. And it's available today. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. God, I thank you that you love us, that you care for us, and that you have a plan for us. And Lord, I ask God right now that if there's anybody in this room that has never made a decision to follow you, Lord, that we would do so today. That we would make that decision and follow you today. If that's you right now, if you have been fighting God and you've been pushing God away, and, but you know today that it's time to give up, that it's time to start following the Lord, that it's time to start living a life for God. If that's you, pray with me. Say, dear God, I, I quit. I'm sorry for fighting. Please forgive me. God, I want to surrender to you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. For up-to-date series information, find us on social media at CityViewPHX or go to cityviewphx.com.